So we've got a couple of things going on. Nate, uh, Nate said it, but I also wanted to uh, point out the both of them, Nate and Julia Ifeely, right over here. Uh, newly weds, just got back from Hawaii. Yeah, awesome. And then as well as uh, Josh and Jamie Edwards are in pre-labor right now. So uh, it won't be long before they're headed to the hospital and having baby number two. So if you could keep them in prayer, you know, that everything goes well and just um, that they're just, just this new blessing comes in without any, any, uh, without any problems. So we've got a couple of things going on uh, this, this week and even today. Uh, we're starting our, uh, our AFC youth is doing a sock drive. What does that mean? We're asking that everyone could bring a brand new package of socks. And what they're going to be doing every fifth, um, every, um, every month that has five Wednesdays in it is what they call a serve night. And with this, what they're doing is their next one, they're going to be going to Community First Village, which is in Austin. It is a, um, it is a homeless how could I say it? It's not a homeless shelter. It's where they take homeless people in and they basically get them back on their feet and they teach them how to work. They provide uh, homes and, and just a community that just rehabilitates them back into society. And so one of their needs are socks. So we're collecting as many pairs of socks as we possibly can. We are asking that you don't bring some of your wonderful holy socks to us that you've kind of put into a little bag or something on the side, but, if, but brand new socks so they can take down there, hand them out, as well as this Wednesday is middle school night. So if you are in middle school, we'll be meeting here at 7 o'clock this Wednesday, and then directly after church, if you are thinking about, if you have sent your kids to camp in the past, this will be the first camp uh, summer camp meeting following church to get initial information about camp, where it's at, the cost, all that kind of stuff. So it, it'll be, um, it, you find yourself, just stay here, grab a donut, come back to the seat, and they're going to walk you through what that, um, what that looks like. And then lastly, tonight, uh, not tonight, tomorrow night, in here, we have our monthly volunteer meeting. So if you are serving in any capacity at the church or looking at wanting to serve in the future, would you come tomorrow night? And it's going to be a very important meeting that you're here because I'm going to be talking about some of the, some of the transitions that are going on in the life of the church and um, I want to see as many faces here as we can possibly get here. So please make time to be here. That will be at 6.30 right here in this room. And you'll see my big smiling face. You want to be here, don't you? Awesome. Um, so with that being said, we're going to go into our last uh, week of Luke. And we didn't get, we're not through the entire book, but what's going to happen is... We're going to pause right here, and we're going to pick up as we get closer to the um, as we get closer to Easter. We're going to pick up Luke again and kind of walk through 
the, the whole death, the cross, and the resurrection. And we're going to pick up there. So we're leaving right before that as we start walking in, into that. So we're going to pick up there. But what I want to... Um, what I want to get into today is kind of this, this place in Luke where Jesus begins to make this transition. So he starts forward, he, he's being declared, he's declaring himself as the Messiah, as what we've read, and, and, and the king that is, that is here, that has is, that is come to bring the restoration of us back to God. And he's defined that. He set that in motion. And now we begin to see this little transition part where he begins to gather his disciples. He begins to now go out and call out to, to a handful of men to come around him and for him to begin to teach them what it is to be a follower of Christ. And I want to pick up here and kind of walk through this because I think there's something here, guys, that really speaks to what it is to be a believer and what it is to be somebody who is following Christ. And sometimes we kind of look at it as maybe not the, maybe the part where what we're going to read at in, and talk about is sometimes we start looking at this as the, what God tells me not to do, and this is the religious part of being a Christian. And what I want us to see this morning is that there's nothing about it that is religious, but it's everything about being relational with him. And it's not him saying you can't. What he's really saying is you shouldn't because I'm keeping you and I'm helping you not have to deal with all the crud that comes with the things that you and I so freely get ourselves into that maybe if we would think before we did it and we kept ourselves from some of these things, we wouldn't walk through the baggage that we let ourselves walk through on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's what he begins, we're going to hear him talk about, and we're going to hear him say, and there's something about the first part that I want to make sure that, that I think is understood in the establishment of what Jesus was trying to do when he first was born. Is there something that we all have to understand that when we come into relationship with Jesus, when we come into relationship with the Father, there is, he's trying to establish this vertical relationship with him. And at church, we've done a pretty poor job at times is we try to establish this relationship, the, the horizontal relationship, and that's the, that's the serve at church, um, come and be a part of something, begin to do, and I want to share a phrase with you here in a moment that I think is kind of at the, at the forefront of what ends up happening, but we don't establish this vertical relationship with Jesus, and then what ends up happening is we get obedience we're not ready for. Because when he starts to speak to us about the things we should do or shouldn't do, that comes out of the obedience of the love that we've established with him already. But if we haven't established this love with him, these other things just look like rules and regulations. They look like religion and not relationship. Because there's certain things that I would, that, that we could put out here and I start talking about for you folks that are 
that are married, right? There's certain things today that you keep yourself from in marriage because of the relationship that you've created with your spouse that you don't do because you don't want to hinder that relationship with them. Does that sound right? Okay, unless there's some of you in here that quite haven't learned that yet and you're still struggling and wonder why things aren't going that well. I'll pray for you that the Lord would do a change and do something different there because there's something about that, guys, of understanding the love that we have for one another, the respect that we have for one another, that because of that is why I choose not to do maybe some of the things that I used to do in this freedom as a single person or as a selfish person because some of the problem that you and I have is that we continue to want to be selfish in our relationships. And guys, the first thing of messing up any type of a relationship is that you continue to be selfish. Now let's take that into this vertical relationship with Jesus. The first thing he did, guys, was he went to the cross and he died very selfishly, right? He didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. So from the very get-go, he establishes himself as this selfless God. And so now when we come into relationship, we need to begin to understand what that looks like. And we need to begin to, to now respond to that selfish love that he has for us that now helps us to look at him in a selfless way because it's not about what I want anymore. It's about what he wants. And now I can begin to listen to what he has to say when he begins to proclaim things that I should be or shouldn't, or shouldn't be doing and should be doing. I look at it more in the lines of this is my rib because of the vertical relationship that I have with him and the love that I have towards him, I'm choosing to be obedient in what he's calling me to do. So we're kind of setting that up here right now. And this is that transitional period where he's established that he wants everyone to know that they're loved. You are absolutely loved. You are wonderfully and perfectly made. And he's trying to declare that. He's trying to say that. And, and these guys are, have now captured that. They have understood that. And I hope that in your relationship with the Lord that you have understood that by now, that you are loved, that you have been made in a perfect and wonderful way. And because of that, as he calls us to more, as he calls us to new things, now there becomes a place out of that love that we're ready for some of the obedience that he's trying to give us. And obedience isn't a bad thing, guys. It's actually a really good thing. There's something about learning to be obedient because it's in your obedience where you find the real blessings of the Lord. It's out of obedience where you find his voice. It's out of obedience where you learn about his love. It's out of obedience that you have patience and that you have peace and, and you walk in all of the gifts that he has for you. Because we're obedient to who, he, to, to who he's calling us to be. So we're going to start in the middle of Luke in, in verse 27. And we're going to kind of see about three different sections here of things that he begins to talk about. And if you don't know this about the Bible, this is where we call red letter writing. 
And what does red letter writing means? It means this is Jesus speaking. This is him talking. These are his words. It's, it's not so much him just quoting others or, or the writer of the book filling in some of the blanks, but these are uh, in quotations. These are him coming from his mouth. And this half of this uh, chapter here is all red letter. So there's something about when we begin to see red letters that we need to begin to pay more attention to what's being said because he's being very specific to what he's probably calling us to do, asking us to maybe give up or, or, or just reiterating his love for us, okay? So we'll pick up here in, in verse 27, uh, chapter 6. And as you see some of the... Some of the um, words ahead of you, there's certain things that I've highlighted. I've highlighted them because maybe in your, in your own Bible that maybe you want to make some of these highlights there because they're kind of important to the points that he's trying to make. So if you see that, that's why those are there. If you have a pen, pencil, if you have your, your phone, if you have a, a good app, there's several of them good out there, you can highlight along with the app. So starting in verse 27, he says, but you... Who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Highlight that. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, not <clears throat> if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from who you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Whoa! Some of you are struggling with that right now. You're struggling with that, those first pieces of words because maybe you don't act like that. Maybe you've been taught this eye for an eye. Guess what? The Bible says that. Eye for an eye. How crazy this, guys. Love your enemies. Whoever thought that that would be a good thing? Whoever thought that loving your enemy would be better than hating and getting revenge on them? Because if we're brutally honest, some of us in here, and I would say a pretty high majority of us, someone does you wrong, they've done you wrong for a long time, right? There's no forgiving. And the way you forgive is you get them back for what they've done. 
yeah, feels good. Does it really feel good, though? Some of you just went, yes. Does it really feel good, though, guys? If I'm a child of God, if I've been bought by the blood, if I've been transformed into a new person, should that really feel good? No, it shouldn't. Because I'm not who I once was. Because I'm this new creature. I'm this new person in Christ. So because of that, I respond differently. Because of that, I act differently. Because of that, I no longer give you what you deserve because I wasn't given what I deserved. And now I need to become that to others. We see there in 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. See, guys, there's something about loving people. There's something about making that the first part of who we are because then you can look past what anything that anyone has done to you. You know, you've heard me talk about this before about getting slapped in the face. You slap me in the face. I don't know that I'm looking at you going, here's the other one. I'm probably saying, let me give you one. Let me give you one now. But to get to a place where we get to, guys, and, and that's a physical slap, but let's just look at the emotional slap. How many times have you been emotionally slapped? How many times has somebody said something that's offended you? Might as well have slapped you in the face because that's how you took it. You took it in, a, in, in a, an offensive way. So guess what? I offend you back, right? You can't say that about my mama because your mama's this. And we come off like that. And we talk like that, guys. And we, when we begin to talk like that, you know who we're really representing? We're representing ourselves. We're not representing Christ. Christ is no longer in the building at that point. At that point, we're back in control. At that point, it's us. But if we live in the transforming power of Christ, if we live as we should live, when those moments happen, it's easy to say, here's the other one, man. You, you, go ahead, take it. How many of you have lended money to people? Oh, this is a, this, this is a good one right, right, right here. <laughs> you ever lend money to people? There's some of you going right here. Yeah, Uncle Bill still owes me 20 bucks. I don't like him anymore. He used to be like my favorite uncle. Now he's my worst uncle. Man, that guy, 20 bucks. Lost relationship over $20. Wow. Think about that. You severed a relationship with somebody over $20. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, okay? I'm not going to ask you this, but internally raise your hand. How many people in here have thrown $20 away? Thank you, Raul. Appreciate the honesty. Think about that. There are a lot of us in here where you would say, I've, I've done more than that. I've thrown more than that away. Last week I bought something, it sucked. <laughs> Paid 100 bucks for it. Broke down over here. 
but you severed a relationship over $20. How does that work? How do we do that, guys? How do we get there? Let me tell you why we get there, because this vertical love that we should be having, this vertical love that we should be living in with him, somewhere along the way, we've lost it. Somewhere along the way, we've, we've backed away from it. We've gotten comfortable with it. We've, we've, we've lost respect for it. See, because when you and I constantly are connected in this vertical love and we're living as who we are and we're walking in the identity that we've been called to, guys, these things happen and they don't sever relationships. These things happen and you continue to grow and you continue to, to stay in relationship with people. Because when you and I begin to be people that love our enemies, what we're really doing them is we're loving them to the cross. We're loving them to Jesus. By us being able to forgive and by us being, being, being able to, to be humble as in, 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 in us not repaying evil for evil, what we're saying, guys, is because of what Jesus has done in me, he can do the same in you, and that's what I'm hoping for right now. That's what I want more than anything. I don't want you to continue to live in the life that you're living. I don't want you to, to be in the pain. I don't want you to be in the suffering. I don't want you to be in the lonely place that you are. And I want you to show you who Jesus is. That's why I'm here to love you. Even when it's not easy. Even when you do something wrong to me. I'm going to love you. You know, one of the greatest things about having enemies, guys, one of the greatest things about having enemies is the best way to get back to an enemy, and I've said it several times now this morning, is to love them. Do you know what it's like for somebody to, to do something to you and you respond to them in a way they didn't think you were going to respond, I really believe that hurts more. I really believe that that's more painful for you not to respond the way they thought you were going to respond. That actually speaks more than you physically doing something to them or you verbally doing something to them in a negative way. That if you can respond to them in a sense of love, you've already taken five steps further to the cross with them. Because there's something about this love thing, guys. There's something about it that allows you to become a person that forgives and forgives very quickly. And some of you this morning, you're dealing with unforgiveness. You're harboring it. You're living in it. It's what's filtering every other relationship in you because there's a sense of unforgiveness. But if you call yourself somebody that follows Christ and you're, and you're calling yourself somebody that is a child of God, you need to become a person that lives in forgiveness. You can't be a person that walks in unforgiveness, guys. You just can't. You can't function like that. You can't experience God in the fullest. You don't hear him the way he wants you to hear him. You can't respond to him the way he wants you to respond because of that unforgiveness, and that's really what he's coming to and what he's saying here. 
through all of this, man, is could we be people that have understood the way we have been forgiven so we can now begin to forgive others in the same way? 37, do not judge, another highlighted one, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, go ahead and highlight that one too, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That last one's a good one to be highlighted too. Don't judge. Don't judge. The moment you and I become a person of judgment, guys, what we're really saying is Jesus can't help you. You know what? You're, you're not... You're not good enough for what God has for you. Because the judgment that I'm placing on you right now is now saying that, you know what? I don't want anything to do with you. Although I have the secret ingredient for your health and your well-being and your hope and your future I'm not going to give it to you because I've already put it in my mind that you're not good enough for it. You're a bad person. And I love that he goes through this. I love that he says, and he uses that word hypocrite. What a great word. I love that word because you know what? At the end of the day, we're a bunch of hypocrites. I said it. How often, guys, do we put ourselves in these places where here we are, broken, hurting people, quickly to judge others that are broken and hurting as well? How quick are we to remove ourselves from their lives because we think we're better than them? We're quick to remove instead of inserting, instead of living life with them instead of helping them, in, instead of helping them see who they are and giving them hope and giving them wisdom and giving them counsel and walking through whatever it is they're walking through, we push them away. You're not good enough to be around me. <laughs> I'm messed up too. Trust me, I'm messed up too, but you know, I'm better than you. And I don't know that that's the way it was because if I know who Jesus was, he hung out with sinners. He hung out with the worst of worst. He hung out with the most messed up. 
He hung out with everyone else that was being rejected. That's who he hung out with. Now, he didn't hang out with them to leave them the same. He hung out with them to bring them to the Father. That's the difference right there. And guys, as we become people who judge less and forgive more, that's what we're doing, guys, is we're helping bring people to the kingdom. We're helping bring the hurt, the wounded, the lame to the kingdom. That's what we're trying to do. That's what he's trying to say here. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Yet you've been forgiven. See, along this road and along this journey, whoever told you this was about being perfect, messed up. Because it's not about being perfect, it's about being forgiven. And not only being forgiven, but being redeemed. That's what it's about, guys. Because if you and I are looking for perfect and that's what you're judging yourself by and that's, what you're, and that's the standards that you're putting out there to, to live this Christian life, I'm sorry, but you've already failed because it's not about being perfect. It's about being messed up and allowing yourself to be loved to wholeness. Through Jesus. And that's a process. That's ongoing. There, we will never reach the sense of even looking like anything perfect until we're face to face with him in heaven. And until that time, it's a fight. Until that day, it's a battle of everyday learning to die to yourself and picking his cross up and walking in him. But this judgment thing, man, it's something that we're super duper good at, guys. And I hate that it's defined us as a culture now. Anybody ever been called a hypocrite? When you say the word, I'm a Christian, and the first thing that'll come out is, yeah, a bunch of hypocrites over there. Man, I hate that that's how we're viewed. I hate it. It bothers me so much, but guess what? We've earned it. We've earned it because that's how we've lived. That's how we've processed. That, that's how we've learned how to do things is in a very judgmental way. We just recently, um, uh, my wife and I were remembering of a situation uh, that was many years ago in, in our lives. And we knew some people that had gone through something and and we remember at the time that they went through it, we just kind of looked at them and we went, I don't even get this. Why are they doing this? Like, like, like we were full judgment, guys. We were in full judgment on these people, like full board judgment. At the time, I would not say it was judgment. At the time was, yeah, we're right and they're wrong. We were in full judgment. And we're looking at the situation going, yeah, how, what, I don't, what, how did they, oh my gosh, this, 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 and that. A few years later, we found ourselves in a similar situation. A very similar situation. 
And at that moment, the Lord just kind of looked at us and said, you see, pretty easy to do. Pretty easy to end up where other people have been ended. And we're in the middle of this. And guys, from that moment on, my wife and I chose to say, we would never judge any situation that anybody's going through. Because we have no idea what they're going through. We have no idea what they've been through. We have no idea what's happening on the other side. Because, see, there's always two sides to every story. There's not just one side, guys. There's always two. And you got to remember that when you're talking to people, when you're around somebody. You might hear one story, but I promise you there's always a second one. And sometimes sound similar, but always sound different. And from that day forward, I understood this thing on judgment, and I understood that I no longer wanted to be known as somebody that was so hypocritical and somebody that would place judgment where I was unable to put judgment on them. It's not my place. It's not your place. Now, I do believe in truth, and I do believe in confrontation, and I do believe in giving somebody the truth of what somebody says, but you can bring that truth without judgment. You can bring that truth in love. You can bring that truth in a way that is supportive, in that way that says that I'm still going to stand by you, that I'm still going to help you, and I want to walk through this with you. Because when you walk in judgment, guys, what you do is you don't extend your hand any longer. What you do is you put it in your pocket and say, figure it out on your own. Figure it out on your own because I can't help you. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you're somebody that has allowed Jesus to come into your life, guys, you should always be a person with both hands out saying, how can I help you? How can I help you? What can I do for you? I don't know everything. I I don't have all the resources in the world, but I want to help as much as I possibly can. And I've just given myself to that. My, my family has just given themselves to that as a part of our life now is we're, we're going to help and we're going to draw you closer to the Lord instead of push you further away from him. Don't judge. 43, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Woo! Bear good fruit. That's a real thing. You ever want to know where someone's at? Listen to, listen to somebody talk. Listen to what they say. Listen to where they're at. Listen to what's coming out of their mouth. That'll tell you where you're at because that's where your heart is. Someone's frustrated, angry, maybe not with you, maybe not in the situation that you're in with them right now, but you'll hear what's coming out of their mouth. Ever been around a coworker? Negative coworker. You know what I'm talking about. 
talking about their marriage. Oh, that guy. He's this, he's that. Terrible, awful. Blah, 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 blah. And as most good Christians do, we probably go, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Leave him, yeah. Get out of there as quickly as you can. What? Seriously? See, because as somebody that's a follower of Christ, guys, you have hope. And you have the means to bring their situation to a better place. And what you and I need to begin to become people that do is establish hope for other people. That we know it's bad right now, we know, but it can get better. It can get better if you want it to get better because I know someone that can make it better. I know someone that can change a heart. I know somebody that can change a mind. I know somebody that can come in and redeem everything that's been lost. I know that person. And he can do for you what he did for me. And some of you are standing here, sitting here this morning, guys, and you know what I'm talking about. You know that if it wasn't for Jesus, you'd be somewhere else right now. If it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't be in a relationship right now. If it wasn't for Jesus, you would be poor, broke, and lonely somewhere. But he's come in and he's redeemed and he's restored. But the question is, what's in your heart this morning? What's in your heart? Is it the anger? Is it the resentment? Is it the unforgiveness? Is it all those things that are just filtering through you? Or is it the good that God has done? Or is it the good that he sees in you? Is it what you're filling yourself up with? You know, the one thing that I've learned about being a follower of Christ, guys, is there's a lot of things that I put into my, into my heart and into my soul that don't produce good fruit. There's a lot of things that I give myself to on a daily basis that does not create good fruit. But it makes me feel good. Oh man, I like the way it makes me feel though. Makes me feel really good. Understand there's a difference between feeling good and knowing you're good. Big difference. I like pizza. Oh, I haven't had pizza in such a long time. <laughs> I so like pizza. Like that's the one thing that if someone were to just plop in my face, I'd be like, so hard not to take a bite of pizza right, right now. Pizza makes me feel good. It does. Do you think it's good for me? Some would go, yes, it is. Oh, yes. So good. I can say no to Papa John's. And for, you, for anyone who whispered Pizza Hut, leave the door right now. Leave right now. Pizza Hut's nothing but a stomachache. But it makes me feel good, guys. It does, right? And insert whatever you're thinking right now that makes you feel good, and you have that, and that replaces where you really are. 
and what's really going on and what you're really struggling with and what you're really battling because you want that feeling of good. See, the thing is, as a follower of Christ, it's not about feeling good, it's about knowing you're good. And how do I know that I'm good? Because I know what's been done for me. I know what I am. I know who I am. I know that what I have is because I'm supposed to have it. I know that my future is marked with hope and peace and joy. See, I know that I have that. And because of that, I don't need anything to make me feel a certain way because I already know who I am. And too often, we've been told it's about how you feel. And if you're a millennial, man, you really live in the fields. This, this young generation, it's all about how you feel. And I'm sorry that you're being trained like that. I'm sorry that, you've been, that you're being told that it's about a feeling. Because it's not. It's about a knowing. It's about truth. It's about a foundation that you begin to build on and that you begin to grow on that has nothing to do with the way you feel. Because if we only lived on the way we felt, guys, we would find ourselves in some of the craziest places going, how did I get here? I got here because this is how I felt. And it could be good and it could be bad, but most of it, it just ends up leaving you with no hope, no peace, and no joy because that's how I feel. And I've been taught and I've been told that, I, that, that it's important, that my feelings are important. And I'm not saying that they're not, guys. I'm not saying that feelings don't matter. But it's not how I make my decisions. It's not how I process my future. It's not how I live my life. Because they will only get you to another feeling. And you won't move past feelings. And you'll never understand what truth is. And you got to understand what truth is. You have to, to be somebody that's filled with something in the heart that's worth anything. It's because you found it in the truth that you begin to process into your life. And without that truth, guys, it's hard to live on something. It's hard to believe something because we're looking for the feeling. Some of us are frustrated with God right now. You're frustrated with God because you don't Feel him right now. Why do you have to feel somebody that's already there? Think about that. He went to the cross, died on the, on the cross, rose again for you so he would be present through his spirit in you. It's already there. It's already deposited. But for some reason, we want to continue to feel that. Why don't I just live in it and learn to be a person that knows who they are and knows what's been done for them? Because you'll go through life frustrated. You'll go through life doubting. You'll go through life not hearing God because you're listening for something that he's not saying to you. And most of the time, guys, you and I are, are trying to listen for something that he's not saying. Because what he's already said is what I should know and what I should put into my heart. And I should begin to fill myself with that. 46. Why do you call me Lord, 
Lord, and do not do what I say. Another highlighted one. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug, a, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Build a great foundation. See, all of this ties in with this final piece of scripture here, guys. It all comes back. And see, because if we're not building ourselves and building this foundation that we have on Christ in Christ, when the times come, when they're hard, when the, when the moments come, and they're going to come. How do I know? Because most of us in here right now are probably saying, I'm in a hard moment right now. I'm in a hard time right now. There's situations that are out of my control that I'm in right now. But if your foundation is built firmly on Christ, guys, it's just a situation. It's just another issue at this moment that is going to pass. But if you're not built on that foundation right now, you are rushing down the river and you have no idea where you're going. You're rushing down and you feel like the world around you is completely falling apart because the foundation that you've chosen to build on had one to do with feelings and not with truth. Had one to do with these false expectations that you had. And now you're floating down the river saying, where's God? See, when I need you, you're not around, man. When it gets serious, you bail on me. So guess what? I'll deal with it on my own, just like I do everything else. But if you're someone who stands on the rock and is planting that foundation, guys, you know that the water's coming and it's rushing hard and you're not going anywhere because he is your rock. He's your foundation. And that too is going to pass. Anybody lived in Austin long enough that they've seen multiple floods? Where's the water at? It's gone. It went away. Just like your problems are going to go away. See, but when we plant ourselves, guys, into this deep foundation of who Christ is and what he's all about, this too shall pass. This too will move on. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. See, we mostly read that last verse, 13. It's all over the place. I can do all things through Christ, but we never read verses verse 12. And verse 12 really makes 13 mean something. That's where the meaning is. Because see, things come and go, guys. I've had and I've lost. But my foundation is built on Christ. My foundation is built that it's going to come and go again. 
There have been moments where, I've, where I've, I've, I've had plenty personally, and there's moments where I've had two nickels to rub. Didn't matter to me because I knew who I was, I know where I stood, and I knew that this soon would pass as well because I'm building my foundation and I'm building it as deep as I can on the foundation of who Christ is and who I am in him. And this all comes back to my perspective, guys. What is my perspective? What is my perspective of who Christ is and where is this vertical relationship right now? Am I in relationship with him or, I, or am I figuring out on my own? Am I trying to manage everything with what I know and my own resources? Because when I live in this vertical relationship, I know anything can happen and I'm going to be fine. I know anything can come my way and it doesn't matter. It might hurt for the moment. It might, it, it, it might bring a little bit of stress and it might bring a little bit of sacrifice and it might bring certain things for the moment, but it's not forever. It's not forever. It's just for that moment. So this morning, if you find yourself being washed away, can I just let you know that there's a foundation, guys, that won't let you get washed away? Can I just tell you this morning that there is a place for you to stand, that you can stand no matter what comes your way, and it's not going to change who you are? At least for the worst, it's going to change you for the better. It's going to change you into somebody that is becoming to look more like Christ. That's why these red letters are so important, because this is what we begin to see and know as discipleship. This is what we begin to see Jesus do here. He's beginning to give this away to others because these were the 12 guys that he was going to send out to go and establish the church. These were the 12 guys that were going to continue this message for the generations to come. We today stand here and know this as a church and know this is because after Jesus left, these 12 guys continued what he started. And it's lasted for over 20, for over 2,000 years. It has moved forward because these guys built a foundation on more than themselves. And they didn't, they didn't build it on just what they felt. But they built it on the truth of who Christ was and who he said you could be. And my hope this morning, guys, is that we would follow in those same footsteps, that we would learn to become this type of a person, that we would learn to take this truth and this knowledge and be people who run with it and people who give it away and people who understand that they're worthy of who God's called them to be. He's got a plan for you, a specific one. And maybe today you're asking what it is. And I would say this to you. Have you been living some of these red letters out right now? Are you living and practicing these simple things? See, because I don't think we have a God who skips people. I don't think we have a God who fast forwards us into situations that we're not ready for. 
I just don't think that's who he is. I don't think that's the way he creates. I don't think that's the way he does things. But he's a God who was moving you from glory to glory to glory. And along the way, what you and I are doing is we're growing. We're growing. And these are part of those processes. These are part of this. I'll leave you with this last picture. Anyone ever seen a house being built? Has anybody ever, and you, maybe you have seen this because they do do this, but the house was built somewhere, I promise, right? You ever drive by somewhere and every day you drive by, like I live up here off of Park Street and they're building a bunch of new houses on the right-hand side. And every time I drive by, I look over and there's something more done to this house. The first time it started, it looked and there was just this big foundation, just flat piece of concrete, and you're kind of like, okay, cool. Wonder what that house is going to look like. The next day you come by, there's wood, and it's the frame is being built, right? And then the next day, the frame is built, but now you start seeing these pipes, and you start seeing different things that are within the wood. And then all of a sudden, you see the siding that goes on the wood, and then, and then the roof, and then you see paint, and then windows. And then finally, at the very end, you finally can look at it and go, oh, wow, this looks like a great house. But when it first started, you would have never known that that's what it was going to look like. And today, guys, God's doing something in you right now that maybe you don't look like you're going to look in a little bit, but I promise you there's some framework that he's doing right now. That right now he's doing something to prepare you to hold the siding and to hold the roof and to be ready for the storms. But it all started with that foundation. Because if you don't have that foundation and you don't have what that's set on, guys, you can put up a structure and as soon as the storms come, it's going to knock it down and that house will be gone. And God's not wanting us to be knocked down. See, he's not wanting us to be carried away. He's wanting us to stand firm in who we are. But that comes from the foundation that we're building by the things that we're beginning to fill and deposit into our hearts. Takes a little bit of time. This book is very clear about the process. It's very clear that it doesn't stop until we see him face to face in heaven. Along the way, though, as you're here, he's working on you, he's building you, he's creating a place that people can come to and find out who he is because of what he's done in you and through you. So because of that, you're worthy this morning. You're absolutely worthy of everything he's called you to be, regardless of the situation that you're in, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you think about yourself. He thinks you're the best thing ever. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you don't just look at us and, and are done with us, Lord. But you continue to grow us. You continue to build us regardless of where we've put ourselves, regardless of where we find ourselves today, Lord. You continue to shape and to mold us to look more like you. And my hope this morning is that we would see that and that we would recognize that, Lord, that we would receive that we would receive that for, for ourselves today. 
that we would know what that is and who we are in you. And that we'd be people that want to grow that and feed that and continue, Lord, to allow you to build us into what we're supposed to be. But in the meantime, God, we stand firm on the foundation that you've started. We stand firm on who you've called us to be, and that's your kid. And we grow from that, O oh Lord. We expand because of that. To whatever roadblocks this morning, God, that are that are help that are that are hindering people from seeing that that are hindering them from seeing who they are in you. Would they know your forgiveness this morning, God? Would they know your grace this morning, God? Would they see your mercy this morning? Lord, we're grateful that you chose to hang out with sinners, that you chose to hang out with the ones who needed you the most. And we're grateful this morning to be called sons and daughters because of that. So we love you and we want to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.